0: time for Legally Speaking, joined by Michael Mulligan from Mulligan Defense Lawyers. Michael, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us, as always.
1: Uh, Great to be here. It was good news. None of the uh, roads were blocked. I was able to actually get here. It was great.
0: Uh, Well, there we go. There we go. I'm not sure what's going to happen tomorrow. I know there have been rumblings of certain shutdowns and whatnot contemplated. We'll have to find out when we find out. There's so much going on this week in the legal world. One would be forgiven for forgetting that we had a major change announced to our public insurer recently. And you want to touch on that?
1: Yeah, you're quite right. It's been a Shark Sharknado of legal activity uh, for the last week, <laughs> I <like> non-stop. <laughs>
0: I like
1: that. Uh, so, uh, first on the Nato agenda, uh, sort of more out of the uh, proposed changes to ICBC, uh, this suggestion to move to a uh, no-fault uh, ICBC model. But one of the uh, issues that's uh, arisen there is that people have realized that, uh, and the AG has confirmed, that the proposed model would do away with a concept that we currently have with our tort based model of what's called loss of future earning capacity. Now, what's that, and why should you keep your eyes open when somebody's discussing the idea of lost future earning capacity? Yes. Well, the idea there would be if somebody plows into you currently and they're found to have been careless and they injure you. Uh, one of the things that a a court would be able to award you uh, would be uh, damages and loss as a result of what you're going to not earn in the future. So let's say, for example, somebody um, has a job, they're badly injured, they're unable to do the job. What you would try to do would be to figure out how much they would have earned had they been able to keep doing what they were doing. Uh, and taking into account how things are likely to change in the future, and then you would award somebody what's called the present value uh, of that amount, right?
0: Now, if I get injured and I can't do my physical labor job anymore, but I find lucrative employment doing a non-physical job, does that count against the money I am owed, or can I get paid as if I had those two full-time jobs concurrently for the rest of my life?
1: Great question. Uh, No, what somebody would be entitled to, the, the concept of their current model um, is that you try to put the person into the position they would have been, but for uh, what happened to you, okay. right? And so, if you found equivalent uh, work, you haven't lost anything in that way, and nor sh- you shouldn't be paid. You haven't suffered a loss, okay?
0: Right? Okay.
1: But if you have suffered a, a loss of your ability to work and earn money in the future, uh, judges in the current model would try to take into account future changes. Like here, here would be an example: Let, let's say somebody's just graduated from high school and they've got their first job at a fast food restaurant making a modest amount as they decide what they're going to do with the rest of their life. Well, if that person in the current system got terribly, horrifically injured so they were unable to work or could only work part-time or in some limited way, um, you wouldn't simply assume you're just going to stick with that job you've got at the fast food restaurant for the rest of your life. You might take into account um, other things to determine that a person's unlikely to remain uh, earning a small amount uh, for the rest of their life, right? The proposed uh, no-fault model would not do that. The no-fault model would simply assume that whatever what you're currently making is going to carry on forever. Mm. And so you would take the amount of money somebody made at the fast food restaurant and you would then continue to pay them that amount um, as a result of their inability to work because of their injury. And here's the other, I think, very important point I mentioned that idea of the present value of future earnings. Boy, that's a mouthful. But this, I think, helps explain why it would be uh, that the government would claim they would be in a position to mail people refund checks right before the next election as a result of these changes. How can that be uh, if you've had this institution that's been losing money? Well, one of the critical changes that this system would involve is that Under our current model, a person would be entitled to that amount of money as a lump sum, right? Mm. And it's referred to as, again, the present value of that future earning. So you would take the future earnings – you would discount them for the amount of uh, interest you might earn with that was, sum of was, money to be given right now. I was going to say, right. what's well,
0: the interest rate? Because we do that in economics. Right. You have to use l'hopital's rule to figure out the present value of something ad infinitum. Like Correct. You could say, if I give you $5 a day from now until infinity, is that infinity dollars? Or does it have a <laughs> present value that's smaller than infinity? The answer is actually yes. It's smaller right. than infinity. But um, So the discount rate would just be the interest rate?
1: Yeah. You would figure out things. Okay. You would have to take into account, like, how much money would you earn had you not been injured? Yeah. Uh, You would take into account things like, well, you may earn more money later. We're not going to assume you're just sticking with the job at Wendy's for the rest of your life simply because you just graduated and got that job. But you would discount that for the interest you would earn on that money. You also have to take into account things like the effects of taxation. But the point is, the person would be given... That lump sum yeah, of money. Now, and they now. can do whatever they want with it. You, yeah, presumably a r- prudent person would put that into an uh, investment and use that to live on because they can't work anymore because after all, right, they were critically okay. injured. Okay. Now, the change, and here's how it would be, uh, that you could suddenly and magically give everyone refund checks from an organization you're claiming is a dumpster fire. Well. <laughs> The previous government, of course, has been, I think, rightly criticized for taking money out of ICBC's reserves, the savings they'd have to pay for claims. This change uh, would mean that you would no longer get that lump sum of money, but instead you would be doled out the small amount each and every month until you presumably would no longer have been earning any money or you die.
0: So it's the backwards. So by spreading
1: it out and just giving people a small amount now, it's going to result in an immediate savings, but a long-term liability. And so that is one of the reasons why you'd be able to take this thing that you call a dumpster fire and then immediately say, we're sending you a refund check. How did that possibly happen? Wow, it's like magic. Now, if you're ICBC, right, if you're an employee Mm -hmm. there or whatever, and and there was an interesting notice sent out by the uh, union representing the employees at ICBC as soon as this announcement came out about the no-fault proposal, uh, talking about how that would uh, mean maintaining and protecting the jobs of over 5,000 people across the province. They were quite excited about it. Here's why. If you have an insurance circumstance where the Monopoly Insurance Company has all of these long-term obligations which have not been financed to pay, for example, the lost wages for that person over the next 40 years each and every month, you've now got this enormous unfunded future liability you've got a you need to keep paying that person you haven't given them the lump sum and so by doing that you're going to after a period of time entrench this government owned uh monopoly insurance company because who wants to take over a company which has massive unfunded future liabilities to pay all of the uh, injuries and losses for these people over an extended period of time. Yeah. So it's it's wow. subtle, and you have to look at those things, but it's huh. insidious. It's sort of like, rather than taking the money from the reserves to balance the budget, you're taking money from the disabled uh, in order to send refund checks to people right before the election. It's This goes back a little ways in uh, BC politics, but when you think about that, it's right up there with the uh, Vandersand proposal now from a number of years ago for cheaper beer right after the election. It's the we're going to send you a refund check from ICBC. Magically, the dumpster fire has turned into a slot machine, and that's because in large part we've stopped giving the money to the people who need it now. We'll spread it out and we'll instead send it as a refund check right before the election. Pretty wow. pretty crass.
0: Wow, and and I'm I'm reeling here because my math brain is going through how the numbers would work. So if we ever wanted to change back from this system to go from the infinite payments until one dies to one lump sum now, that would mean that all of the money flowing out of the corporation would have to be put back in reverse, and you'd get lump sums at that point to compensate the person for however much they would have expected otherwise if the infinite payments had continued.
1: Yeah, and so if you're wow. a union member or an exec at ICBC and you want to ensure that your job is never going to go away, Uh, one way to try to entrench yourself would be to ensure that there's a whole pile of unfunded liabilities to all these people, the money for which would be future um, insurance uh, proceeds. Good luck trying to wind that thing down. Uh, And it also means for all those people who wind up in that position, if anyone's been through the experience of dealing with the workers' compensation board, what it means is that you would be, as an injured person dealing with this government entity for the rest of your life. Uh, they're going to be it's going to be like a lifetime WCB claim would be now. But you should know full well when you get a refund check from the dumpster fire company right before the election, know where that's coming from. there has been no magic pool of money found. Uh, it is exactly that. We're just going to defer that liability to later and send you a check of your own money before the election, hoping that you'll vote for the current government.
0: Let's take a quick break. Legally speaking with Michael Mulligan, barrister and solicitor with Mulligan Defense Lawyers, right after this. Michael, I'd like to thank you for your analysis. You are the first observer I have heard remark on that potential financial change to ICBC, which would cause there to be ongoing financial liabilities for the corporation from now until forever. That has profound implications on any future changes that could be made, including, of course, privatization being the ultimate one. It would be almost like trying to privatize CPP. You couldn't do it because the money for the existing
1: liabilities just doesn't exist. That's right. Think carefully when that pre-election check shows oh. up where that's coming from. It's not free magic money from the dumpster fire. Indeed.
0: This is an interesting one. An injunction against Surrey issuing tickets to Uber drivers for not having a business license. Now, you've talked about uh, interlocutory or interim injunctions in the past and the RGR McDonald test. What is this matter? Because it's
1: similar, but it's not exactly the same, is it? No, and it's got a great Latin name here. Uh, Talking Well, I can learn a new one. Yeah, quia timet. Quia Quia, I'm probably mispronouncing it. Uh, Joking, it's sort of it's job security for the legal profession, because no doubt, rather than calling that something like a preemptive injunction or something that everyone would look at and say, oh, yes, I see what that is. Ah, yes, yeah. Perhaps designed so that people read this over and think, boy, I better get a lawyer. It's going to be really embarrassing to try (laughs) to pronounce this in court. So... Uh, with that jab at the legal profession for continuing to use Latin, here we are. Um, this was a uh, injunction applied for by Uber to stop Surrey. Surrey, of course, being a uh, place where a lot of taxi drivers live. And so the uh, mayor of Surrey concluded it would be good politics to start issuing tickets to Uber drivers coming into Surrey to pick up passengers. And I think they were actually luring them in in some sort of a, a municipal sting operation, you know, calling an Uber, waiting for somebody to show up, and then having somebody, aha, I heard those your account. tickets. Right? Can they
0: do that? I, I want to say that's entrapment, but again, <laughs> not a lawyer. That's what the that's what they'd say in the movies. I, I don't believe it really was, but but what is that? I don't even know.
1: That's uh, that's Surrey for you. Okay, uh, that's Surrey. So that that's what they were doing, and then they would uh, there, there was evidence that uh, Uber said, "Oh, fine, we'll buy." Uh, we're happily purchased business licenses from you, Surrey, to which they responded, No, you can't <laughs> buy them.
0: <laughs> they're unavailable. We're going to punish you for not having the thing that we won't <laughs> sell you because it doesn't exist yet.
1: Yes, it, it's sort of like getting the ticket for uh, not having insurance on your electric skateboard, which of course you can't purchase. I so see. Okay. They're, they're, that, it's, that's what Surrey was trying on. And I should say, it's quite clear that the municipality of Surrey uh, or the city of Surrey, whatever they are, Uh, Has absolutely no legal jurisdiction to do what they were doing Uh, when the ride-hailing legislation was brought in. The various pieces of legislation, provincial, that deal with that, including motor vehicle act, community charter, local government act, all of the relevant bits of legislation were amended, uh, and to make it crystal clear that you can't do this. You don't, uh, as a municipality, again, not your jurisdiction. So the the particular type of injunction with the Latin name is, is interesting. And I think also interestingly, potentially in the context of the various other announced uh, protests, like sort of blocking trains or blocking, you know, hey, we're going to block all the bridges or uh, so forth. This particular kind of injunction mm-hmm. is an interesting one. It's different from the sort of injunction you might get if somebody was, uh, you were trying to stop something somebody was currently doing. Like, okay. Let's say somebody is currently, you know, blocking the, I don't know, courthouse, Okay. Right? okay. You, you might go and seek an injunction asking that the current, you know, blocking of the doors at the courthouse be stopped so people can get in and do their business. This kind of an injunction is intended to deal with anticipated activity. So we don't activity. have to
0: wait for them to block correct. to stop them. We can stop them in advance?
1: correct. So you don't need to wait. So that might be pretty important when you have announcements coming about, hey, what we're planning to go block tomorrow. Uh, and if you literally translate that Latin phrase, it's translated to because he or she fears. That's the concept. So okay. that might be a good name for it. Why don't we rename that the fear injunction? Right? Right. Everyone can then easily uh, appreciate what on earth is going on. Uh, and there's a slightly modified test for how you can get such a thing. Uh, In order to obtain uh, a quia temet injunction, a fear injunction, Mm -hmm. you would need to establish that there's a high probability that if the injunction is not granted, the anticipated activity will occur imminently or in the near future. A future thing. Okay. You would also have to show that there is a serious question as to whether uh, the rights of the person applying for it would be interfered with. Uh, And then there's a balance of convenience, irreparable harm analysis, sort of like any other injunction. Okay. And so Uber uh, was able to obtain this injunction, which prevents future conduct on the part of the city of Surrey. And the reason it's a little bit different is they were issuing individual tickets to, you know, Bob showing up in his Toyota Corolla to pick somebody up in Surrey. Hey, Bob, here's a ticket. You don't have a you know, business license. And so uh, the injunction prohibits Surrey from continuing on in that vein. Uh, And that form of injunction, I think, is something that some consideration ought to be given to, uh, particularly where you have a clear indication uh, that protesters are planning to do something unlawful in the future, like shut down a railway or shut down a port or shut down a whatever. That information is not secret. Anyone with a few minutes can go online and figure out what's likely to happen because you're not successfully whipping up a crowd to block the the fill-in-the-blank Uh, unless you start posting that. So... So
0: one of the tests is a serious question of a person's rights being, and I can't remember the exact word that you use, because if that's a binary classification, the protesters could just say there is a serious question that my rights are being infringed, ergo, not all the conditions are met, ergo, the injunction cannot be issued.
1: Well, it would be analyzed from the point of view of the plaintiff, the person asking okay. for it, and oh, okay, the language is okay. that there is a serious oh, question as to whether the plaintiff has a right that would be breached by the activity.
0: Okay, I see. Right? So I had it
1: backwards. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So you know, somebody might say, "Hey, look, you know, I'm a, uh, a trucker." Uh, you know, my job is to deliver things to the port in Vancouver. You know, we read online that they're trying to whip up a group of people to obstruct our entrance to the port tomorrow. Hey, how about an in advance injunction? This is imminent. It's coming. Right? You're not permitted to do that lay on the fear injunction. Interesting. uh, And you'd be able to obtain one uh, in advance. Uh, You don't have to wait for the blockade to show up, and it's not going to exactly be rocket science to figure out what's coming tomorrow. Interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah.
0: Now, I think we have, uh, let's see, we have uh, four and a half minutes left. We have one other matter I think we can touch on, if you'd prefer.
1: Sure. I think that's worth commenting on. This was a decision from the Court of Appeal recently, and it involves a uh, police officer from uh, Saanich uh, who was sued uh, as a result of uh, an allegation that he assaulted somebody uh, while uh, using unnecessary force, pulling them out of their car and throwing them down to the ground uh, following a stop an impaired driving stop about 10 years ago. Uh, so the background is that the individual was thrown down and seriously injured. The judge at the trial found his injury and damages and loss were in excess of, I think, $120,000. No doubt that happened. And the judge at the trial found that the police officer had committed all the elements of the assault. Uh, the person ran up on the rocks, however, and this is something people should know about uh, for this reason. Um, the, if you wish to sue the municipi- a municipality, the district of Saanich, who would be responsible for that sort of activity by police officers they employ, hmm. you need to give them written notice within two months or you lose the right to sue them. Didn't give written notice. So all that was left was suing the police officer the police officer enjoys uh, some immunity from being sued. Um, no. And that immunity uh, attaches under the Police Act unless a judge finds that the police officer acted dishonestly, with gross negligence, or engaged in malicious or willful conduct. Yes, uh, And in this case, the judge found that the municipality, even though the man was seriously injured by the police officer and that that would otherwise amount to an assault and represent a significant loss to the man, Um, The municipality was off the hook because the written notice wasn't given in time. Uh, And then the judge found that uh, even though the officer was acting uh, in the course of his duties, uh, because he was in the course of his duties, it wasn't dishonest conduct or gross negligence. And so the man received no compensation for his injuries. The court of appeal has overturned that and sent it back for a new hearing on the basis that the judge did not consider whether the police officer's conduct was malicious or willful misconduct, which the Court of Appeal said is different from gross negligence, and saying the judge should have considered that separately. So it's going to go back. Uh, there'll be a new trial. But what people need to know about is that if you were going to sue the municipality or a police officer employed by a municipality, you need to make sure that the municipality gets written notice within two months or you may be out of luck. Uh, and even if a police officer engages in conduct that would amount to this, uh, they are off the hook personally unless they are dishonest, gross negligence, or malicious or willful misconduct. So there may not be a soft landing if you fail to tell the municipality on time you're coming after them for getting thrown to the ground when the police officer arrested you. Uh, in an unnecessarily rough fashion when they stop you for a traffic infraction.
0: I think that it's uh, of benefit for all of us to reflect on the fact and it it seems entirely reasonable that there has to be time limits on bringing action or expressing these concerns. Otherwise, you would have somebody, you know, 10 years ago, this happened to me and, well, okay, all the evidence is gone and the witnesses, who knows where they are. Like, there has to be that time limit. Now, two months is 60 days, I think, under the Local Government Act. That's entirely reasonable, but this is a fascinating case.
1: Right. The problem is, of course, there are limits, but for anything other than municipalities, they're much, much longer. They are, you're right. And the problem is that an ordinary person who's still dusting themselves off and being thrown down to the ground may not know they have to get written notice off within two months. And so it can work, uh, I think, some serious unfairness. And when you read this case, you're sure left with the impression that the judge found that the conduct was completely inappropriate, the man was seriously injured, he suffered a real loss, but nobody apparently was so far responsible because of this notice requirement Uh, and the special protection under the Police Act afforded the officer personally. So um, it does seem rather unfortunate and harsh in the case of this man. So for those listening, the takeaway is if the municipalities might have done something wrong, let them know in writing as soon as possible. Don't delay.
0: And when in doubt, Seek legal advice. Yeah, you never
1: know because it might all be in Latin and very (laughs) hard to pronounce, right?
0: (laughs) Michael Mulligan, barrister and solicitor with Mulligan Defense Lawyers every Thursday during the second half of our second hour here on CFAX 1070. Thank you so much for your time as always.
1: Thank you.